What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the show. Today, we are going to be doing another Q&A style podcast. So I appreciate everybody who asked a question on my Instagram story the other day. These were a few questions that I just love the most. And if you don't follow me on Instagram, recently, every Wednesday, I've been doing a little Q&A story on uh, my social media. And it's just, you know, people asking questions and answer them real quick. I've actually had a lot of fun doing it. And I've seen a lot of people do it online, people that I follow, other fitness and health people in the space. And I figured I'd give it a shot and I've, I've been really enjoying it. So thank you to everybody who's been asking questions. I, my goal is to help in any way that I can. And I, I saved these three questions today because they were a little bit more difficult to answer in five sentences online. And I think it kind of warrants its own podcast. And that's really the goal today is it's potentially going to be a little shorter podcast. I always say it's going to be shorter, but then I hit 30 minutes, 40 minutes, no problem. So hopefully it's not that long, but instead of me keeping on rambling, I'm going to get straight into it. So question number one was, can I drink alcohol and still lose weight? I'm going to say yes. But that yes has about 50 asterisks next to it. Technically, yes, you can 100% drink alcohol and work that into your calorie deficit when you're trying to lose weight or when you're trying to lose fat. However, this can be a really difficult thing to do. And the average person trying to lose weight while still living their super social and their higher calorie life is going to struggle with this. When we look at how alcohol impacts weight loss, It can both directly and indirectly affect that. And when we talk about how alcohol kind of impacts your weight loss or your fat loss directly, we know that it's going to impact the amount of calories that you're consuming on a daily basis or a weekly basis if you're not drinking every day, which I hope you're not. If someone's goal is to lose fat, you need to be in a calorie deficit, right? Which means eating less than what your body is burning on a daily basis. It's always going to be that calories in versus calories out equation. So if you're consuming more calories than your body is burning, you're going to gain weight. Vice versa, if you're consuming less calories than what your body is burning consistently, you're going to lose weight. We know this. But I need to point out that alcohol is pretty calorie dense. And if you're constantly consuming alcohol throughout the week, or maybe even it's just one or two nights a week, Alcohol is going to directly impact your weight loss efforts because you're consuming liquid calories throughout the week, which can make it harder to adhere to being in a calorie deficit, which to be honest is hard enough on its own without alcohol in that equation in the first place. And when we talk about how alcohol indirectly influences your fat loss, honestly, the list can go on forever. Like alcohol can fuck with your sleep when you drink alcohol right before bed, like that can make your sleep less productive because it can mess with your REM sleep. Alcohol also alters your decision-making process. It reduces your inhibitions and that can influence the decisions that you make around your food when you are drinking. So when you're a couple drinks deep, like you're not going to be dreaming about eating chicken and steamed veggies. And more likely than not, you're, you're going to reach for the chips or the chocolate or the burgers and fries or order the pizza, especially in those social situations where other people are doing the same thing. 
So if you're in a diet phase and you're trying to cut back on the amount of calories that you're consuming, alcohol will make it easier to deviate away from your plan, especially the more you drink during the week. And if you're drinking to the point where you're getting drunk and waking up hungover, that's also going to impact your fat loss because you're not waking up ready to attack the next day, right? And you're, you're more likely to move less and have less productive workouts the day after or two days, three days after you had that binge or whenever you drank. Alcohol can also make you dehydrated, which again can also impact your energy levels and your workouts and just how you feel in general. So alcohol doesn't just impact you in, in the moments that you're drinking. It can really take away from the following days too, which makes it hard as hell to stay adherent to your deficit and, and your movement goals when you're working towards fat loss. Another common kind of topic or concept that I see people bring up or they talk about when we're talking about alcohol and fat loss is what physiologically happens when you drink alcohol, which it's really this idea that alcohol can inhibit lipolysis or the breakdown of fat. And if we're diving into the exact mechanism on how alcohol can suppress your fat burning ability, like this does happen. Like when you drink, your body prioritizes the digestion of that alcohol and it utilizes that for energy and it shuts down lipolysis. So your body isn't burning fat when you drink alcohol. And this is all true, right? Like alcohol is a toxin and your body wants to get rid of it. So it metabolizes that first and it temporarily turns off your fat burning ability. So it inhibits fat loss when you're drinking alcohol. But I'm talking about this mechanism, not because it's the most important factor when you're trying to lose weight and when you're trying to be in a calorie deficit and when you're trying to drink alcohol at the same time. Because in reality, this isn't the reason why people have a tough time balancing these two things together. But it has everything to do with the indirect impacts of alcohol that we already talked about. It's because alcohol is hundreds of empty calories and not to say that they're not satiating at all and it has no nutritional benefits to it either. And if you're fitting alcohol into your calorie range for the day, there's a 99% chance that those calories from alcohol are taking away from other macronutrients and micronutrients and, you know, different foods that are more satiating and nutrient dense and that are more macro friendly, like foods that are more nutritious. And when you add the fact that alcohol fucks with your sleep and that really has its own domino effect of poor health outcomes as well. And and I think we already talked about how drunk you isn't making the most complimentary nutrition choices when you do drink and when you are hanging out with your friends and with your family. Drunk you is saying yes to the 1 a.m. in and out run and drunk you is probably ordering the double-double, the fries and the shake too. Plus, hungover you is also more likely to say yes to the pizza or the mimosas or the midday brunch the next day let alone just being slower and more flat that following day after and just having less energy and having that less inclination to move. So I say all these things not to point fingers or to make anyone feel bad, but in my experience working with humans, like these are the things that happen more often than not. And these are the things that make people spin their wheels when they're trying to drink alcohol and fit that into their, their calorie deficit when they're trying to change their body at the same time. Now, there are 100% those people who have a glass of wine with dinner a couple times per week, and they can make this happen, of course. Like, those are the, those are the 1% of people that exist, and they do exist. But that's always going to be 
that subgroup of people. It's a very small percentage. And the majority of people don't really fall into that category of only having one beer, one glass of wine per week. That's just not the reality that a lot of people live in. So when it comes to you working on your nutrition and your fitness goals, like yes, you can still drink and yes, you can eat your favorite foods and yes, you can eat the desserts and your favorite snacks and you can still make progress over time. But we have to realize that we can't expect to keep doing the same things that we're doing and only make the minimum sacrifices to, to get to the body or to the health or to the performance goals that you're working towards doesn't really work that way, right? You can't fit your 2,900 calorie lifestyle into 1,700 calories and expect everything to be the same and expect to see the progress that you think you're going to make. That goal or that body or whatever you're working towards, it requires somewhat of a change in identity at some level. And only you get to decide if that's worth it or not. But that's why success rates with weight loss and you know, body transformation changes and stuff like that's why, that's why that data is so terrible is because people go back to doing the same things that they were doing before and not keeping those lifestyle modifications and changes that got them that progress in the first place. So to do a little recap to this question, like, yes, you can drink alcohol and lose fat. It 100% can be done for sure, but it's going to make it more difficult than it already is. And if your goals are your biggest priority, I'd advise you to cut back or get rid of alcohol completely for a period of time because that's sometimes the trade-off that it's going to take to get you to where you want to be. And honestly, like I've had a lot of clients cut back on their drinking or get rid of it altogether and every single one of them have told me that they feel better and they feel healthier and they're sleeping better and they're progressing more in the gym and they're just seeing changes to their body. Like it when people give up alcohol and they cut back, it's not like this detrimental thing that everybody thinks is going to happen. Sometimes people just feel bliss. <laughs> it's as weird as that sounds coming back or, you know, reducing the amount of alcohol that they're consuming. So there is a lot of benefits to cutting back on alcohol. And ironically, if you do do that, like that's going to be something that also makes weight loss easier at the end of the day too. Cool. The next question that we have is, do I need to take a pre-workout supplement before lifting? The simple answer to this question is no. You absolutely do not need pre-workout. Like nobody needs a pre-workout supplement. Taking pre-workout before your training, it's not going to be the thing that makes or breaks your progress in the gym. And nor is it going to make or break your adaptations or your progressions that you're making during your workouts. Now, just because you don't need it, like that doesn't necessarily mean that it doesn't have any benefits. Pre-workout can still be an ergogenic aid, specifically the caffeine that's in pre-workout, which is why a lot of people do take pre-workout in the first place. And you might be someone that likes taking pre-workout, which is 100% okay. I'm not telling anybody that they should avoid pre-workout, but it isn't something that's mandatory, nor do you need it to have a good workout or training session in the first place. I think it's important to mention that there's different types of pre-workouts and pre-workout supplements. And you have your normal pre-workout powders that have caffeine in them. They're stimulative and that's what the caffeine does is it stimulates you. And then there's also 
stim-free or stimulant-free pre-workouts that are caffeine-free. Now, why would anyone take a stim-free pre-workout? It kind of sounds like it's defeating the purpose, right, of what a pre-workout is designed to do, which is you know, stimulate you and give you more energy for the workouts or the exercise or the performance, whatever you're about to do. Truth is, pre-workouts also provide some nootropic benefits as well, which means it can help you concentrate and be a little bit more dialed into to whatever it is that you're doing. I mentioned before that caffeine is an ergogenic aid, and there is a lot of research that showed that you know it has performance enhancing benefits. Which, you know, when we look at intensity during our workouts and our performance during sport, and and also like just endurance training and athletes doing kind of more cardiovascular dominant exercises, like caffeine has been proven to improve people's performance performing those kind of exercises in sports. And when you think about it, like caffeine and pre-workout, it can help and it can improve your performance in whatever sport or what exercise you're doing. So there is nothing wrong with supplementing with pre-workout stimulant pre-workout um, before you go into your exercise. There's nothing wrong with it. But again, caffeine can also provide some focus enhancing benefits when you're training and when you're working out. So it's not just the jittery energy burst that it can kind of give you. So it can help you get into the zone and, and help you focus as you're prepping to do whatever exercise that you're getting ready to, to do. Now, talking about the stim-free pre-workout, there are other ways that you can get that nootropic benefit from a pre-workout supplement without getting a shit ton of caffeine in you. Because not everybody responds to caffeine the same way and and not everybody likes that jittery energy burst that you get from large doses of caffeine in some of these supplements. And there's a ton of stim-free pre-workouts on the market with different ingredients that, you know, there's a lot of viable options. And just off the top of my head, I know that um, the brand Legion has a good stim-free pre-workout. I forget the name of it. They have different names for all their supplements, but they have one and Another one is like a Transparent Labs, I think is a company that has a decent stim-free pre-workout. But if you're constantly taking a pre-workout or you're interested in trying one and you're looking for something that's mentally going to get you in the zone instead of just getting all hyped up and super shaky, stim-free pre-workout might be something to consider instead. And again, it's not mandatory, but it's definitely something that you could try if you're itching to try a pre-workout. Or you can just not do any of that at all and be totally fine. And I know I'm going back and forth here, but I just want you to know that you don't need a pre-workout to progress in the gym or to progress in your sport or to perform better. And I'm not trying to shit on caffeine or telling you to be scared of it or to not take it because again, it can have some performance benefits and that's been proven in the research, but you also don't need to take a pre-workout to get your caffeine before a workout. Like you can also just have a cup of coffee or a cup of tea like, or, or you could just focus on having some food beforehand instead, some carbs, something like a banana or an energy bar. Like those things can work great too. Personally, my go-to recently has been those little applesauce packets from Costco. I think they have, I don't know, 20 grams of carbs in there. It's like 90 calories. Slam a couple of those on your way to the gym and you're good to go pre-workout nutrition, it could be a whole kind of podcast on its own, but 
the point I'm driving at is there's a lot of different pre-workout strategies that you could try and it might take some trial and error when finding what actually works for you. And I mentioned the stem-free pre-workout and the caffeine-free kind of pre-workout options because there's a lot of people out there that have a shit ton of caffeine every day. And a lot of times the people that I see taking that pre-workout with the caffeine, the stimulative pre-workouts, they're also drinking more caffeinated drinks throughout the day in addition to that pre-workout that they're taking daily too. Now, the half-life of caffeine is around four to six hours. Meaning when you have a cup of coffee, and let's say it has 100 milligrams of caffeine in the morning, half of that caffeine is still in your body four to six hours later. So when people are drinking caffeine in the afternoon, you know, maybe even a pre-workout before their five o'clock, their 5.30 workout, their 5.30 workout, half of the caffeine from that supplement or whatever drink that they're drinking, is, it's still in your body as you're winding down and trying to go to bed in the evening. So a lot of people are voluntarily fucking up their sleep when they drink caffeine in the evening and the afternoons. And that's where something like a stem-free pre-workout could really have its place and, and could be a good replacement for that. It's those stim-free pre-workouts that can help you mentally get in the zone without that caffeine burst. And for those people taking pre-workout in the afternoon, this is something that I'd honestly recommend you try instead if you are taking a stimulative pre-workout in the afternoon. Some ingredients that you can look out for in in the non-stim pre-workouts are things like um, beta-alanine, citrulline malate, and I know, again, going back to Legion, I know they have an ingredient in there called alpha-GBC, which is really good too. But substituting a caffeine-based pre-workout for a more nootropic, stim-free pre-workout could be a good move, especially for all my people out there who are even a little bit concerned with how much caffeine you're already drinking every day. Most of the the stimulant pre-workouts on the market have at least like 300 milligrams of caffeine in them, which... That is the clinically effective dose, but if we know that our daily caffeine intake should be somewhere around two to three milligrams per kilogram of body weight, which let me do some math real quick, give you an example. I'm I'm about 170 pounds. I divide 170 by 2.2 to get my weight into kilograms, which equals around 77, and then I multiply that 77 by three, which gives me around 230. So 230 milligrams of caffeine is an upper limit of caffeine that somebody my size should be sticking to a day. So when you take a pre-workout, you're already exceeding that upper limit without including any other caffeinated drinks throughout the day. So moral of the story, like you don't need a pre-workout before you exercise. Yes, caffeine and pre-workout can help you, but it's a shit ton of caffeine and most people are already getting enough or too much caffeine as it is. So if you want to try a pre-workout, trying a stim-free pre-workout for those nootropic benefits, like those could be your best bet. Or you could just have a banana, right? Like whatever you want to do. Cool. The next and the last question that we have here is, why is blue light from electronics bad before going to bed? I love this question, and I I think it's pretty damn important because chances are everyone can benefit from putting away the electronics before going to sleep and trying to wind down for the night. 
And when we talk about blue light, the biggest producer of blue light is actually from the sun. And evolutionarily speaking, being awake during the day, like you get a lot of sun and you're stimulated by this blue light, which is, which is a good thing because it's daytime and we're awake and we need to be hunting and working and whatever we're doing. But as technology has progressed and we've been, you know, it's been more integrated into our lives. Now we're being exposed to this artificial blue light at night, which is something that if you think about it, like cavemen and our ancestors, they've never had that. It's this artificial blue light exposure at night. So in the last, I don't know, however many years we've evolved and we now have this artificial blue light coming from electronics that's stimulating and acting like the blue light that we get during the day normally from the sun. And what this does is it tells our circadian rhythm that it's daytime and we're getting all these signals at night now instead of only during the day. And if we look at what's happening from a physiologic standpoint, that blue light is suppressing the release of melatonin, which is the hormone that tells our body that it's nighttime and that it's time to go to sleep. And it's the suppression of this melatonin that can delay our sleep latency and it can impact our ability to get into some of those deep sleep cycles. Another thing that tends to happen when we're on our phones or when our computers or tablets or even if we're just watching TV, like before we go to bed, the things that we're doing on those devices are also dopamine-seeking behaviors like, like scrolling through Instagram or Facebook or maybe you're watching a show or maybe you're doing some online shopping and it's, it's those dopamine hits that can also be stimulative, which again, isn't really something that we want to be doing as we're trying to shut down for the day. Something else that I'm so guilty of and things that I've been working on, but is the process and actually working before you go to bed or doing homework because those things can be really stimulative in a stressful way too. But whether it's stressful or not, it can be stimulating and your brain is more stimulated before you go to bed and can make it harder to get a good night's sleep. So it's not only the blue light that we're getting that's bad. It's also the, the behaviors and the emotions and the things that we're doing on our electronics before we go to bed or before we try to shut down and, and get to bed. My suggestions to make this a little bit better is try and shut down or turn off the screens at least an hour before you go to bed. Or at the very least, like get a pair of like decent blue light blocking glasses and wear those when you're doing your, your stuff and looking at the electronics in the evening. Or if you can, like have the screens a little bit farther away from you, like watching TV instead of just holding your phone at point blank range. Just some things to think about. It's not going to be perfect, but I think it's something that we all can improve on and just see what you can do to reduce some of that artificial blue light exposure at night. And I bet your sleep improves because of it. Cool. Pretty short today. That is it. If you are listening, thanks so much for tuning in. I appreciate you. And until next time, remember to eat with a purpose, train with intention, and think with confidence as you work towards your own nutrition and fitness goals. I will see you on the next episode. Peace. Thank you again for listening to this episode. If you found value and enjoyed it, it would mean the world to me if you posted a screenshot to your social media. If you do, make sure you tag me so I can say thanks. Or if you're on iTunes, scrolling down and leaving a five-star review would be much appreciated. 
And if you ever want to get in touch with me, you can always find me on Instagram at LukeSmithRD. Thanks again for tuning in, and I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. I'll see you on the next episode.